So this week we will be um, continuing in Matthew chapter 13, and we'll move on to the next parable. Last week, I understand you um, covered the parable of the sower. This week, we're going to cover another parable that also talks about sowing, but it's a little bit different. So um, let's all stand as we read God's word. It's, uh, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 24. We're going to read through verse 30, and then we will um, skip from there down to verse 36. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain... Then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, do you want us to go and gather them up? The slaves asked him. No, he said, when you gather up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them but store the wheat in my barn. Skipping down to verse 36. Then he dismissed the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, explain the parable of the weeds in the field to us. He replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed. These are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears should listen. May God bless the reading of his word. Y'all may be seated. Let's take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what we have not, give us. What we know not, teach us. And what we are not, make us. For Christ's sake. Amen. So what I always like to do when I look at the Bible is I always ask, who are the main characters in the story? And the first person that I want to look at is God. God is always a character in a Bible story. He's always present. So, and then, and you'll, my youth will tell you that. I'll, I tell them that all the time. Um, one thing that I just thought of just this past week, is any time you read the Bible and you're looking at who's a part of the story, you should always consider that you are a part of the story. When you're reading in the Bible, you should always look at where do I fit in in this story? How does this story apply to me? How do these verses of Scripture apply to me? Because we always need to try to make an application from the Bible to our own lives so that we can live a life that is more pleasing to God and that we can live a life that brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus. Now, the other 
Um, the next character that I want to talk about is Jesus. He's the one that's telling the parable. And the, of course, when we talk about parables, the word parable means to lay alongside. And what he's doing here in these, in these parables is he's taking stories that people are familiar with and he's laying, laying those stories alongside the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And he's saying, the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells the story. Or in some cases, it'll be the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells his story. And so he's making comparisons between the story and the kingdom of God. Now, anytime you read a parable, you're not every aspect of the parable is going to apply. So you don't have to find a meaning for every single element in the parable. I just want to make that clear because a lot of people will strain at gnats and try to make every part of the parable apply somehow to the kingdom of God, and that's not necessary. So now let's look at the elements of the story. So he talks about a sower that has gone out into a field, and he has sowed good seed. Now, when we talk about the good seed, first off, the first thing we want to look at is that he says that the seed is good. So we have to determine, is that seed intrinsically good? Is it good because it's good on its own? Or is the seed good because the sower thinks that the seed is good? And in this case, the seed is good because the sower says that the seed is good. So... Now, if you go back to the time period that Jesus was talking, these people were very familiar with the sowing of seed and the whole process. Now, you wouldn't want to go out there and just get a bunch of seed from somewhere and start casting it out there without knowing what that seed was. And so there was a process that they used in order to make sure that the seed that they were using was what they wanted out in that field. And they would go through and they would... Um, mostly the women, I don't know why it was the women, but apparently they had more time on their hands. I don't think so. Don't. They probably were burdened with a lot. But um, they would go and they would take seed by seed and they would make sure that each seed was not only um, good seed, a seed that was more likely to sprout, but it was the kind of seed that they wanted. So in this case... Most of your commentators agree that the seed that they that Jesus is talking about here is wheat. Um, so they've they've gone through and they've made sure that the seed is good, and so he goes out and he spreads this broadcast this good seed. Now, if you remember from last week, um, Bill was talking about the process that they used to spread the seed, and um, they had a sack that they had at their side, and he would reach in. And he would just broadcast the seed out over the field. And wherever the seed landed, that's where it was meant to sprout. Now, sometimes they would go back through and they would plow that seed under. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they would just let it sit on the ground. Um, I don't know what process this guy used. Not sure. Not important to the story. So, um, now... While the the scripture says that while the people were sleeping, that an enemy came and he sowed what's called tares in some versions of the Bible. In this version, the the Holman Christian Standard, it calls it weeds. Um, most, Most commentators say that this weed was a particular type. It was called darnel. 
or darnel. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but this seed, when it sprouts up, looks a whole lot like wheat. And you don't know which one you have until it starts to um, make the grain at the very top. So, or um, herein after, I'll probably refer to it as fruit, the fruit of the, of the, um, of the wheat or the fruit of Darnell. So when, when, when it started to fruit or to turn into grain, then you could look at it and you could kind of tell the difference between the two because the Darnell is a little bit smaller than, than the wheat seed is. And um, the bad part about the Darnell is that if it's consumed, it can make a person very sick. It can make them appear inebriated. Or if you consume enough of it, it could cause a person to die. So this Darnell is not something that you wanted to have in your field. So um, when, when his servants found out that this Darnell was growing up alongside of the wheat, they go and they ask, hey, didn't you make sure that this was good seed that you put in your field? And, and the sower comes back and says, an enemy has come and done this. So... Um, their next question was, well, do you want us to go out and pull the darnel or the tares or the weeds out and, and to get rid of them so that the wheat can grow, grow better and not be tainted? Um, the sower says, no, when you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Now, if, if you've ever gone out into your lawn or into your flower garden, and, and had to pull up weeds, the thing that you have to be careful about is not damaging the stuff that you want to keep. You don't want to pull up the stuff that you want to keep, and you don't want to um, damage the root system or uh, disturb the soil too much or anything like that. And this, this sower decided that he wanted to keep, wanted to go ahead and let the darnel and the wheat grow up at the same time. Now, there's kind of a reason for this. It's very difficult to tell the difference between the 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 tares, I mean, the tares or the darnel, and the wheat, the good stuff. So you've got the the bad fruit and you've got the good fruit growing right up alongside each other. One of them very bad. One of them is good. It's what we want. It's what because we're going to use that to make uh, bread and and have flour, and for us these days, we make noodles out of it. We make all kinds of stuff with it. But um, it's good for food. The other is good for making you feel bad. So he, he likes to let both of them grow together until the harvest. The reason why they, he wants to let it go until the harvest, because at the harvest time, you can be, be better able to see what kind of fruit that you got. Either you got good fruit or you got bad fruit. So then he, he's going to tell his reapers to gather, gather the um, weeds first, tie them together in bundles and burn them, and then he's going to store the wheat in his barn. Now, the disciples heard this parable, and I'm sure at the time they were thinking, Okay, so this one's different than the last one that he explained to us. 
we're not quite sure what all of this stuff means. So, um, because in this one, it's not about the soil. It's about the seed. So last week, we talked about this, the different kinds of soil. This week, we're, con- we're talking about different kinds of seed. So we've already talked about there's two different kinds of seed, which produces two different kinds of fruit. And we've also talked about that there's two different ideas about what to do with the wheat and the weeds. Either we can either go through and pull the, the weeds out now, or we'll wait till the harvest um, to pull the, wheat, pull the weeds. So the disciples come to Jesus and they say, explain this parable of the weeds to us. So they get the idea the right idea that the parable is about the weeds. What are we going to do about these weeds? So Jesus replied, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So the sower is Jesus himself. Jesus always referred to himself as the son of man, especially throughout um, the book of Matthew um, is how he's designated. So um, then Jesus says that the field is the world. Now, there's a lot of talk about whether the world means the world world or if the world means the church. And I know that's kind of confusing, but um, I think that what Jesus was trying to say was kind of a both and, is that the world refers to um, the church because it's the good seed. The good seed is going to spring up and produce Um, as we're going to see, the sons of the kingdom. So the sons of the kingdom are the people that are part of the church of Jesus Christ, right? So then you've got the seed that was sown, were um, sown by the enemy, who is the devil, and those um, weeds were the sons of the evil one. So you've got so now you've got two different kinds of people. Okay? You well, number 1, you've got the son of man and the devil. There's two different kinds there. So you've got you've got Jesus and you've got the devil. Then you've got two different kinds of people. You've got the sons of the kingdom and then you've got the sons of the devil. Um Lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. So the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. So you've got the sons of the kingdom in this field that God, that Jesus has sown. So, and then you've also in this world, you've got the sons of the devil that the enemy has sown. So which is it? Is it the world as a whole, or is it the church? Or is it just the church? I, I kind of think it's both. Because the church has an influence on the world. And as we come into contact with those that are outside of the church, we come into contact with who? The sons of the devil. There's only two different kinds of people. There's only two different kinds of people that are those that belong to Christ and those that do not belong to Christ. The question is, how are we to respond to those 
that are not a part of Christ's kingdom? Should we be going around, uprooting them and pulling them out and getting rid of them? Or is there something else that we should be doing? Jesus says that his idea is that we grow up alongside of the sons of the devil. And why is that? Okay, so let's think about it. Whenever you first see a plant growing up, is it easy to tell what kind of plant that is? A lot of times they look exactly the same. Exactly the same. Different kinds of grasses when they grow up, you can't tell the difference. We planted some corn in, in a garden at a house that I lived at, and when the, when the corn first started coming up, I was like, is that just grass, or is that regular grass, or is that corn? Corn is a member of the grass family, by the way. So, it, so I mean, it didn't look any different from the other grass that was in my lawn. And, and we had the, the corn growing right next to the lawn. So um, couldn't tell the difference. So for a while, I couldn't mow because I didn't know what I was mowing. I didn't want to mow over my corn that I had. But after a while... The corn stalks started getting thicker and started growing higher than the rest of the grass. Well, then I had a clear idea of which was corn and which one was was um, grass. Now, in the case of the wheat and the darnel, you can't really tell which is which until they until they start to fruit. You can't tell the difference. So, it's the same thing with us and the folks out there in the world. You can't tell just by looking at people who they are. You can't do it. Um, Dwight L. Moody used to say that he, whenever he met a person, he would always picture them with a great big L on their forehead. And the L stood for lost. Until he kind of had a good idea of whether or not, whether or not that person um, belonged to Christ or not. And so as such, he would always treat that person as a lost person rather than as um, a person belonging to um, to Christ. And so he would always tell that person the gospel. And why did he do that? Because there's always an opportunity for a lost person to respond to the gospel. And when that happens, an amazing thing happens— Paul writes about when people become Christians, they become a new creation. When he writes new creation there, it's interesting because in the Greek it means it's a new species, completely different. So when we, when we come to Christ, God makes us into a new creation. We're a new species. We're completely different from the people out there in the world. And so comparing wheat to Darnell... So it's the same thing. They're two completely different plants. They're not the same. But God can make a darnel into wheat. And we don't know the difference. We can't tell. Whenever, if you were going to go pull a weed out of your garden and it wasn't quite, quite ready, you might be pulling out a weak plant that you want to keep. 
You don't know. They may just not have um, grown up as fast as the others, and then you're going to pull it out, and it's not, it's not a weed. It's one of the plants that you want. The weed might be growing up strong, and you might leave that, and then later on it comes up and turns out not to be good. So you don't know. Um, um, now, when we talk about fruit, what are we looking for? If you turn to Galatians chapter 5, Paul goes into a discussion about that. Starting at verse 16 in Galatians chapter 5. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything, get that, anything similar about which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, how many of y'all have arrived to the point where none of those things gives you a problem? Because I'm not raising my hand. I'm not raising my hand. And so if you catch me at a bad moment, guess what? You might just pluck me up out of the ground and cast me aside. Not realizing that I am a child of the kingdom. Okay, now let's read about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So when we see each other being able to live up to the fruit of the Spirit, we're not supposed to get jealous of each other. We're supposed to encourage one another to these things. And by the way, we can also encourage the sons of the devil to these things too. But when we, when we uh, see people that we think are sons of the devil and we act in ways that are more in line with the works of the flesh, what is that going to bring out in them? It's going to bring out more works of the flesh, isn't it? Is that, is that our desire? Is that what we're working toward? No, we want to make them sons of the kingdom. And so how should we respond to the sons of the devil? We should respond to the sons of the devil with the fruits of the Spirit because we are sons of the kingdom. Sons and daughters of the kingdom. That's how we should respond. And what did Jesus say? Love your enemies. We should love our enemies. We shouldn't treat them badly. We shouldn't talk to them badly. 
How many times have you seen on Facebook somebody espousing an opinion that's different from somebody else's, and the person claims to be a Christian, and he runs them in, runs the other person into the ground, calling them all kinds of names and doing all kinds of stuff that, you know, I don't think Jesus would be doing that. So we have to think about putting the end in view. What's our goal? Our goal is is not, although we wouldn't be doing the sending, our goal is not to allow people to go to eternal judgment without Jesus Christ in their life. That's the goal. We want, we want the most good fruit that we could possibly have. That is Jesus' goal. And how many times do we treat people badly because they don't agree with us about everything? says, therefore, just as the weeds, let me back up, the harvest, and the, um, the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. So we're not the harvesters. We're, we're sowing seed, but we're not the harvesters. We're not the ones that will be charged with making sure that, that the Um, correct fruit goes to the correct place. It says, Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. So those things that cause sin, and those guilty of lawlessness will be gathered up together, bundled together, and burned in the fire. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where, they, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it won't be pleasant. It won't be pleasant. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen. So there's the picture is that the the weeds will be gathered together, bundled together, and burned in the furnace. And I don't know any other way to put put that than that's that is a picture of hell. And Jesus said that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I have a problem with people who tell others that they're going to hell with a smile on their face because it's not some place that I would wish on my worst enemy, because it's forever and ever. It never ends. Never ends. And I don't care what kind of life a person has led. Jesus can always come and make a change in the heart and turn that person from going the wrong way to the correct way. All it takes is for Christ to change that heart. And if you're a Christian here today, Jesus came and changed your heart one day and caused you to seek after him. That can also happen for that person that you know that doesn't have Christ, who may not be treating you correctly, but that you need to respond in love. 
Because that's what Jesus would have done. Then it talks about the destiny of the righteous. It says, the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Have you ever seen a wheat field? I was looking at some pictures of wheat fields on online. And when the wheat is, is ripe and ready to harvest, it's golden like the sun. And, it's, and in some cases, it reflects the sun. So, so what Jesus says here is that we will be like that. We will be in his kingdom. And that too will last forever and forever and forever. And then he says, anyone who has ears should listen. When we hear the gospel, when you hear God's voice, you should respond. So I guess my invitation is, you may have in the past treated people badly. I know I have. You may not be a son of the kingdom. and Maybe you're first realizing that today. There's an opportunity today for you to respond to the gospel because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He... Um, gave that life up on a cross to pay for my sin and for yours. Um, He rose again on the third day, which was God putting his stamp of approval on everything that Christ did, everything that Christ said. And if you come to him today and you repent, which means that you turn away from doing things your own way and you turn to doing things God's way, then he will forgive your sin and you will become a son of the kingdom. So let's pray. Father, we want to come today. We want to thank you for um, bringing us here. We want to thank you for um, your son, Jesus, who did not leave us here without an example. He did not leave us here without instruction for how we should live and what we should do. Father, we ask that you would um, show us our hearts. Father, that you would show us what you're like. Father, help us to respond in a manner that brings honor and glory to your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask these things for his sake. Amen.